welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Okay, good morning. This is Angie Missouri. I'm a recovering sexaholic. My sobriety date is March 16, 2015. And I'd like to start this session of our mini-conference with the Serenity Prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Very happy and very thankful to be here today to be part of this uh, mini-conference. My subject today is all about emotional sobriety. And when I first started thinking about emotional sobriety, I wanted to pick this topic because it's the thing that I deal with the most now in my recovery. And when I really started thinking about it, I thought there are so many areas um, with emotional sobriety. And so I really had to just start narrowing it down to what was really... um, pretty much the solution and what really helps what really helps me but before I get started with my solutions in, into working on my emotional sobriety I'd like to talk a little bit about what my what my past my pre-recovery emotional life looked like and what that looked like to me was um, continuously living in my head Um, I had no freedom from my thoughts. I lived in a very uh, negative place. My emotions usually geared towards um, sadness, shame that I didn't even know that was really present, a lot of hurt and pain, and um, just a really dark place. And... I know now that as I'm learning in my recovery, you know, why I felt those that way. And what that looks like for me is one of the things that I've been working on with my emotional sobriety is to try and go back and pinpoint when I first remember feeling those feelings of frustration or those feelings where I want to react to protect myself or when I want to feel like I have to justify or explain everything because all of those things really contribute to where I'm at today with my emotional sobriety. The other day we were having a talk and it was one of our meetings and we were talking about the passage in the white book where it's talking about crystallizing. And what that looks like for me is When I crystallized from early sex abuse to trying to tell my mother what had happened, 
I basically froze in those emotions. And those emotions included a lot of fear and a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. And, and I stayed there. I never matured past those emotions. I didn't know how to get out of them. So as my life progressed and my disease progressed, whenever I'm faced with a situation, whether it be conflict or another person's behavior, I seem to go back into that fear. It's like this automatic place that I go to. In recovery now, what I'm trying to do is recognize that before I let those feelings control me, before I automatically react and go back to that place and time. But it is amazing, and I was doing some reading about it. You know, not only did I have the trauma of the sex abuse, but I had the trauma of my mother's reaction was which one of she didn't have time to listen. It wasn't important. Oh, honey, this is ridiculous. So all of those messages that I heard at that time and I internalized just really kept me trapped in that time period, not knowing that 45 years later I was going to hit a complete bottom, not only with addiction but with my emotions. And so where I bring that back today is learning about what emotions God's given me and how to live the fullest in those emotions. And so I wanted to take just a minute and look at eight basic emotions that I try and be aware of in my recovery. I do feeling checks to see where I'm at that day. If something comes across to me sideways or if I say something sideways, then I'm like trying really hard to pinpoint what is really going on with me. And so those emotions to me look like this. There's anger, fear, pain, joy, passion, love, shame, and guilt. And so when I really look at my day or I'm looking at my feeling or if I feel anxiety, which is my number one feeling that I'm really working hard at, um, which is always when I go back and I go back through my fourth step, it seems like everything is always triggered by fear for me, whether it's uh, real or not. I'm a go-to to that fear. And I know where that fear comes from. I can spiral back to being a little girl and being afraid. So when I take a look at those emotions and I can really um, take a long look at what I'm feeling, then I have a really great chance on having emotional sobriety. The thing for me now is, and I struggle with this, is even though I know I want peace and I want serenity, I still struggle with, do I really want that? Meaning, I lived so many years in such a negative place with my emotions that, A, do I deserve to be happy? And also, it's such a comfortable place to be to waller in those negative emotions. So in recovery, 
it's like this it's like this whole brand new thing to really know that it's okay to feel happy or joyful or in a place of feeling passion for something. And so it's a whole new way, not even with it's a whole new way of life, it's a whole new way of thinking. And uh I look at it as such a gift to be able to look at myself and see, okay, what what am I needing right now? to be able to accept this place that I'm in. When I think about acceptance, I think about the big book when it's talking about, and this is a go-to for me, if I'm disturbed, which upsets my emotional sobriety, I go to the place in the big book where it talks about, okay, Angie, this is really about you. This is not about anybody else. And I, I love the part on page 417, where it talks about acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I'm disturbed, it's because I find some person, place, or thing, or situation, some fact in my life unacceptable to me. And I find no serenity until I accept that person, place, or thing, or situation. If I feel any disturbance, and I'm honest with myself, I go to that passage and it brings me this sense of joy and relief because I know, once again, I'm going back in time. I'm actually reacting to some situation that happened many years ago and I just learned to build on that time period. So that's one of the things I do in my recovery for a solution is I always go back to certain passages either in the white book or the big book that helps me um, center myself again with my emotions. Other things that I do for the solution to live in recovery, I try and uh, have a good relationship with my sponsor and talk to her. And even if I can't talk to her one-on-one, just send a text. I find that the, the more that I can let go of whatever is disturbing me at that time, the quicker that I'm going to get back to my emotional sobriety. I find that journaling is a really big part of my recovery. If I'm angry or if I'm sad, I can sit down and write about it, and it's like my serenity comes back. So I'm finding out the more that I can just let go of these things, that I can get back to a place where I'm fully centered. The thing, though, for me with emotional sobriety, and this is where I'm just learning a lot about it, is that I realize that I have to take time to process certain things. And that's where it's a little tricky for me on what do I really need to work on and what do I need to let go. If I feel like uh, there's a situation and it's and I'm sinking like quicksand, then I realize that I need to work really hard to get back to a place of serenity. Now, if it's a, let's say it's a situation with another person and I need to process some feelings. Let's say it's over an old hurt or an old wound or an old argument or an old behavior. Then I need to take time and process whatever feeling it is I need at that time. I don't want to stay there and I don't want it to control me but I want to be able to process it so I can move on. Then the next time I feel that way, I can come back and say, oh, yeah, that's attached to that. I've already processed that. 
So that's something else I do for a solution for my uh, emotional sobriety. Another thing, and I, I believe I got this from my sponsor. It's actually um, to help me with my emotional sobriety would be to, if I'm in some type of situation and talking to someone, I need to stop and think, okay, is this something that I really need to say? Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? If I can pause in any situation before I speak, before I react, my chances of keeping my sobriety and my emotions is so much greater than if I just react and start justifying because all I'm doing is feeding the fire and I don't want to feed that fire anymore. I just want to be able to stay in a place where I'm recognizing what's really going on with me and most importantly, why is that going on with me? Um, So, but this program, the 12 steps, are near and dear to me. Um, I am learning to use the 12 steps in all situations. When I can step up to the plate for myself and realize that I am absolutely powerless over a situation and that I need to surrender, and as soon as I could give it to my higher power, then things are going to turn around sometimes immediately. It's amazing. It's when I don't fully give it up, no matter what the situation is, that I'm still going to be caught in some type of emotion that's going to keep my serenity, um, it's going to keep my serenity away from me and my peace. And, and I will tell you that the, one of the most important things for me in my recovery today is how I'm feeling with my serenity and my peace. When I'm able to walk around in my daily life and I am present and I am mindful no matter what I'm doing, that is a gift because prior to recovery, I could never do that. My mind was always somewhere else. It was always in the past, usually rehashing some some negative talk that I had told myself, usually a lie about myself. And I don't, I don't do that anymore. This is, this is an amazing thing. Just that alone. If that was the only gift that I got from recovery is to have peace inside my head all the time. Oh my gosh. It's such a gift. And so, um, being mindful being present, being there for other people, those are all gifts that I get from this recovery. And um, I just really can't say enough good things about um, this program and the ability, and I share this a lot, to be able to talk to others that understand, be able to get on a phone call, be able to get on a meeting, talk to a sponsor, talk to another fellowship person, because all of those things help me with my emotional sobriety and keeping in a place where there's peace and there's love and there's kindness and I'm free of negative emotions. 
So I um, really appreciate you letting me talk today about my experience, my experience, strength, and hope with emotional sobriety. Um, the way that this conference set up today is that um, that was my introduction into emotional sobriety. We can go into a questions and answer period, or we can also go into a sharing. Um, so since this is our first one, um, I'm just going to go ahead and open up the floor to sharing or questions, and we'll just kind of go from there and see what happens. Thank you. Hi, Angie. This is Dennis from Alaska. I just want to remind everybody that we are being recorded in this session, so your shares and questions and answers will be recorded. And so with that, I'll open the floor also. So I'd like to hey, first, I'm Dennis. Oh, go ahead. Jacob, you go. Oh, thanks. How does Jacob um, in Israel? I just wanted to uh, ask... Uh, what, how you deal with, uh, identifying things before they start the, you know, tumbling and snowballing down the hill. How to best, uh, realize, hey, I'm heading into a place which is not as smart or is not as good, um, to pick up on those things before they're a big deal and to work through them beforehand. Thanks. Hi, hi, Jacob. You know, I am really working on that. Um, for me, what I'm really trying to pay attention to is my body because I get these gut feelings. I get anxiety. And, I mean, when my heart rate goes up or I'm feeling anxious, I know right then and there I need to really start paying attention to what's going on. I'm not at a place where I can say that um, that's always easy. But one thing I've learned about myself, and that is this, when something is said to me, I need to really work on my boundaries. And I really wanted to talk a little bit about boundaries because as an addict, I had no boundaries. And I didn't know how to take care of myself. So now what I'm doing is if something is said to me, and I call it sideways, meaning it's um, kind of sneaky maybe or cunning or baffling, and, and I recognize that, then I need to immediately put up a boundary and say, okay, is that my stuff or is that their stuff? And if it's my stuff, then I need to go to, okay, what's really disturbing me here? One of the things that I'm doing, Jacob, too, is is that let's say uh, within my marriage, if there are, have there been multiple things said during the week and I recognize it, but I don't do anything about it, meaning uh, acknowledge to that person, hey, you know, this is how I feel when I heard you say this particular thing. And if I'm not careful, they build up. And that's how I became such a good addict is because I could never take care of my feelings. And then it, finally I just exploded at the end where I couldn't take anymore. I'd stuffed every feeling I could ever stuff and then explosion. Um, so what I try and do now is to really be in tune with myself and recognize it. But it's my responsibility to let that other person know how I'm feeling. It's, it's that part in the big book where it talks about um, Max 
and the husband and how he says, you know, hey, we can talk about our feelings because there are feelings. No one can judge or criticize our feelings because that's how we feel. So I hope that kind of answers your questions, but mainly it's boundaries and uh, just really paying close attention to where I'm at each day. Harvey, can I share? Hey, Harvey. Hey, Andy. Thanks so much for your uh, for your for your <clears throat> your share. Uh, I could certainly relate to uh, what you described when you say I have to have to check my body. I have to look at what's going on. I, I think that speaks to the whole idea of what emotion is, and emotion comes from the Latin word to move, to stir up, to agitate. You know, and um, I, I needed to come to terms with the fact that emotions do affect and I can feel them in my body and I need to do that. That's a good lesson for me to uh, use that, those messages, those, those feelings those in the body that I'm feeling help me to, to appreciate what, what exact, what emotion I'm actually feeling. You know, if my heart starts to beat faster or my speech, I start to speak quicker or louder or my fists sometimes get, you know, tight. Uh, my face, I feel the heat in my face, my ears. All of those things help me to appreciate what emotions I'm having so that I can deal with them and process them rather than stuff them, as, as you also said. Um, I've also come to terms with the fact that I think that there are counter-emotions that don't work for me anymore. Uh, you know, I fear isn't so bad. Uh, if I'm crossing the 16-lane highway, I want to have fear. Uh, what I don't want to have is anxiety. Anxiety is fear that has frozen me, which has not allowed me to move, has not allowed me to, to process. Anxiety is not where I want to go. Fear is okay. I can have fear. But I don't want to go to anxiety. I don't want to go to um, shame. I can have guilt, but I certainly don't want to go to shame. Shame is also, for me, a very destructive emotion. Uh, it, it's where I live all my life. Uh, before I came into this program, and it froze me, uh, just like as I said, you know, and, and depression. I can feel sadness. Sadness is okay. Sadness will eventually, if it's fully fully resolved and fully processed, it will lead me to joy because I can have the joy and understanding that I can actually feel sadness and appreciate the difference between sadness. Sadness helps me understand when I am in joy, when I am in happiness, when I am in good places. Um, on the other hand, depression... Depression is another one of those, it's just, it's, I feel frozen, I shut down, I can't operate, uh, I can't heal. Uh, so those, those kinds of counter-emotions are, are really, really scary for me, and that, those are the ones I actually live with. Uh, I stuffed the good ones down, and I lived in anxiety and, and, uh, and depression and, and all of those, uh, and shame, especially shame. Uh, and lust. Of course, lust is, I think, also the... Uh, the uh, you know the negative uh, side the, the counter the counter emotion of love of joy of, of all of those things anyway I, I, I very very well done I thought you did great and thank you so much for your uh, for your share thanks Harvey Harvey this is Jim Angie thank you for your great talk um can you can you hear me. Hi, Vaughn. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Hi, good to hear you. Anyway, um, yeah, um, wondered about, um, could you speak to your use of medi- 
meditation and prayer in these moments. Um, you know, I say I'm going to do the Jesus prayer a lot during the day, and I say I'm going to pray, and I don't always do that. At the beginning of the day and the end of the day, yes, but during the day. Um, and so, therefore, I will get more caught up in the emotions of the things you just said. Uh, you know, um, for example, just quickly yesterday, I started thinking in my mind a litany of of health concerns and whatever, you know, that I could have because I'm over seven. I'll be 71 if I were. And the other I'm in health. I just need to lose 20 pounds and that kind of stuff. But anyway, if you could speak to that, I'd, I'd appreciate it. I don't know about others, but some people have asked me about that, you know, how to keep prayer during the day and, and, and meditation and things like that. So thank you. I am so happy you brought that up, Vaughn, because, um, like I talked earlier, you know, when I was introducing, I had so many areas of emotional sobriety. And so for me, uh, early, early, early in recovery, like when I was just trying to be lust-free and go through withdrawal, um, I would do like a, the most simplest of prayer, let's say the serenity prayer, and over and over and over, like to sit still and just, be in the moment with that prayer and just try and get through whatever, you know, withdrawal I was going through at that time. What I'm learning now, which is so exciting, is that I'm able to be in tune with my spirituality where what that looks like is I actually, um, like, I, I call it grace. It's like, I get these answers because I've, I'm letting go. And when I let go of all this junk that's been in my brain all these years, I'm actually open to the answers that I need at that time. And what I found so interesting in my own recovery is so once I got through like, let's just say like six or seven months of getting sober, lust, from urges and different chemical releases, okay? Then I move forward into the next phase. And that's what I'm learning is this, this whole recovery thing for me, as long as I'm working it every day, it's like I get to, I get to enter into like a new phase. And so the next prayer that I really worked on was my third step prayer. And I did another mantra. I'm kind of like into that. And so when I memorize it and I go over and over, it's like, it takes everything else out of my head, and all I can do is focus on that prayer at the moment. Then I get to this next one, which was amazing, which was um, the prayer of St. Francis. It's like one day I woke up, and I was working on my sobriety as far as my emotions, and it was like, you know, a channel of my peace. You know, it's like, wait a minute, where did this come from? I don't even know this prayer. And so what I'm saying, it's it's as I work each day, it's like God gives me what I need. And it's it's just the most amazing thing. He gives me answers when I listen. But, boy, if I try and control or manage my thoughts, then I'm shutting him out. He can't talk to me and tell me what I need. So is it easy? No. Is it something that I have to work on daily? Yes. And when I find, Vaughn, that I am... My head is stuck or it's whirling around in the problem. 
that's where my awareness comes back. It's like, oh, you're thinking way too much about this. What's going on? And then I really start working at letting it go. And I'm going to be honest, it may take a week. But it's not like my life before where I live there all of the time. So I'll take a week versus a year any day. So that's my answer on what I'm working on there. Thanks. Hi, this is Dennis from Alaska. Can I share? Hey, Dennis. Want to ask a question? Yeah, and it's, <clears throat> we've had some other people join, so I just want to oh. remind everybody that the call is being recorded. Um, one of the things that you said that really was helpful and, and I need to really try and, and ask myself and be aware of is, am I really wanting peace and serenity? Because so much of my life, the comfort is found in my chaos, um, in the misery. And there are times where we're having a perfectly peaceful time and I'll throw something out there that causes a lot of chaos. So I, I that's a blessing for me to, um, as you said, stop and think, pause. You know, is this kind? Is it necessary? Is it true? Is it loving? Um, <clears throat> my wife has asked the same thing. And so that's something that I, I get to take away today to pray and ask God for more of an awareness for my actions. And, you know, before I act, you know, to maybe look at what's going on. So, but the question I have, Angie, is around journaling. That's just something I don't do, and I don't know what it really looks like. So if you could describe what that looks like for you. I know it, it, can, it sounds simple, but if you could uh, tell us what that looks like, I would appreciate that. And thank you for your service today. Thanks, Dennis. Yeah, um, when I first started journaling, I thought it had to be perfect. I, I felt like I couldn't write because it needs to have a, you know, a beginning, middle, and end. And my grammar had to be great. And, and it was just nonsense. And so the best thing I did was just pick up a pen and I write whatever I'm ruminating about. So I'll be frank about this, you know, I am married, been married for 30 years, and a lot of my emotional unsobriety comes from my relationship because I'm just learning how to take care of myself. And so I may completely start off what was said to me, and that's where I start. Or um, if I'm angry early in recovery, I mean, I have... I have a journal and I've kept all of them. And I mean, I just, I was just like writing huge letters with exclamation points and some of them was profanity and, and whatever anger I was feeling at that time and I was releasing it all on paper. And so that's a method that I've used for anger and frustration. I've also written, you know, things that I need in my relationship. One of the things that uh, I've been working on lately is, is trust. And what does trust look like to me that I need in my relationship? You know, another thing I've been writing about is my Bill of Rights, which is what do I need as a person to stay healthy? And this is what I deserve, and this is what I need, and this is what love looks like to me. And being able to share that with another person. Because those are all things that I, I didn't deal with prior to recovery. 
That's one of my reasons I was such a good addict, you know. I kept all that stuff. So anything now that comes to mind, I want to write about it. I'm not great at it, and I will say this, that when I feel like life is pretty calm and placid, it's real easy for me not to want to journal. I kind of tend to go to journaling when I'm feeling feelings I don't want to feel. But it does help me to figure things out. But the most important thing is just to write and and for me to get over the idea of it doesn't have to be perfect. I just need to get it out on paper. And um, that's that's my only thing with journaling. I mean, I've actually probably gone through six journals now in two years. So that's quite an improvement for me. So I hope that helps, Dennis. Thank you, Angie. This is on me. I just briefly go back. Um, I just, you said that um, something about um, yesterday. Uh, no, I mean about two things. Well, yesterday evening, even though I'd acted out yesterday evening, Oh, after the meeting, but that's just how it is sometimes. But anyway, but then I still, I have got, I, I still do my devotions every day in the evening at least. And I had God, I'm, I'm thank you, thankful you brought that up. I had God speak to me so clearly, not, not audibly, but just in my devotion. And I just a whole bunch of things of peace and forgiveness. Of course, I always do. I confess things to him and did a 10 step on everything. So, Anyway, um, you know, uh, I remember years ago my um, addictions counselor said, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be nearly perfect. And they even had, I think, a poster or a sheet of paper on this, on this wall there in this bulletin board or something that said that. And so, um, you know, um, it, you know, I want to be, rather than being open to acting, I want to be open to God's personally open to God's for myself his miracles every day and thank you for letting me be vulnerable and speak for my weakness but it was it was really helpful you know because I had acted out on the chat line and oh my you know I have so much shame even sharing this now but I have to do that though because I have to get that out inside and I have to say that um, you know in spite of myself God is there um, and uh, you know he never gives up on me, as that newer praise song says. So, anyway, I pass. Thank you again um, for your service. And I pass. Anybody else want to share? Thanks for sharing, Vaughn. Stephen in England, may I ask a question, please? Of course, Stephen. Go ahead. Angie, thank you for your share and for everybody who's made this possible. Um, I've been listening with interest. I wanted to ask you whether you had, uh, if not quite a definition, at least an understanding of what emotional sobriety is and is not. Could you speak to that, please? It's uh, a great question, you know, and I continue to discover more about myself all the time, but... I guess when I am not in a state of emotional sobriety, um, I have anxiety, like Harvey was talking about. I feel it in my body. My heart rate goes up. I know that something is wrong. So physical feelings, my gut, when my gut is telling me something, 
it's I need to listen because something is happening. Um, Any time that I can't just be quiet with myself, which means that, I mean, I can literally be quiet with myself. I don't need any stimulus outside of me. I can just, it's like, it's, it's, it is like a complete sense of peace. And this is all new. Um, white noise outside of me doesn't bother me. So, like, if I can have complete peace and mindfulness, the TV may be on or someone may be talking or there's a distraction somewhere, I can still keep peace within myself, being very mindful of where I'm at. So that, to me, is part of my emotional sobriety. Um, When I can feel more than one feeling at a time, I feel like that's part of my emotional sobriety. So what that looks like is if someone says, so how are you feeling? And I'll stand there for a minute and I'll think, okay, so, well, here's where I'm at today. Um, I'm really angry about the situation over here and I'm working on processing it, why I'm angry. But yet, right now, I feel complete joy because of where I'm at in my mind right now being peaceful with the situation. So what I'm trying to say is that with my emotional sobriety now, I can have and recognize more than one feeling at a time, which is amazing, and that the anger doesn't override a joy that I can feel while I'm talking to another person. I don't have to... um One of my old habits, which was a really negative habit, was I, instead of going to that person that I needed to talk to about my anger or frustration, I would talk to a third person, which created a triangle. But what that looked like was I could never get out of my anger. So whoever came in my path at that time when I was trying to go through something, then they would be hearing about that emotion at that time. But now with sobriety, I can actually separate my emotions depending on who I'm talking to or what I need to process. I think that's a huge growth for me. Um, just being at one with my higher power is is a huge part of my emotional sobriety. Knowing that um, I don't have to stay in any particular emotion. My emotions don't control me. It's not perfect, and it's definitely progress. But um, I don't know, Stephen, if that helps with much more of a, a definition. Having good boundaries, good, solid boundaries, is a huge part of my emotional sobriety. You know, being able to be around other people, listen to them, and only take care of myself, meaning if they're talking about something or they're deflecting something or they're projecting something, trying to at me, and I can keep my sobriety by thinking, wow, that person was really upset today. I wonder what's going on with them. And I know it has absolutely nothing to do with me. Then that's part of my emotional sobriety. Um, This I don't know, just really being at one with myself and 
it's hard. It's hard in today's world because I'm constantly bombarded with things. But I'll take any any glimpse and glimmer of sobriety I can get at any moment. So I'll pass with that. Thanks. Thank you. Hey, this is Kobe in Utah. I'd like to comment and then ask a question, if I may. Hey, Kobe, go ahead. Hey, thanks for the share in this conference. Um, it's funny, I was going on a, a to a leadership meeting for business um, last week, you know, and it talked about you know, how the old paradigm in business was we hide our emotions and and you know we leave the emotional aspect out of it. This this specific conference was about emotional intelligence, which really plays in well, I think, to to what you shared and what we're talking about today. It talks about you know we really we have to understand emotions to make decisions. And there's you know there's been a lot of studies on IQ, and you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that people with high IQs are successful in life or can make good decisions. So they're you know they're this specific conference was about looking at something else which they were calling emotional intelligence to um, determine understanding how I feel, how others feel, and how we can use that to make good decisions. And so, yeah, I think that I just wanted to make that comment because that, that um, seems to go along hand-in-hand hand with what we're talking about today. Yeah, just to be able to make changes with ourselves, we have to be self-aware and we have to have self-management. But then, you know, I've heard a, a quote that says, you know, pray. If we don't feel like it, we should pray until we do. And the question I have is, um, you know, sometimes when I when I feel angry or I feel some of these emotions, I I want to I want to be angry in my anger. And so I guess my question is, any any tricks to overcome overcome that? You know, sometimes when I'm angry, I just want to stay angry because it feels sometimes it feels good to be angry. And then, how does prayer relate to emotional sobriety? You know, I totally agree with what you just said. And um, for me, now, you know, first I want to address your your um, emotional intelligence because if we react because of the emotion, that's why I was such a good addict. That's how I justified my addiction is because, well, this person hurt me, so that means I can act out now. Or I'm angry about what this person says, so I'm going to react and act out now. So in recovery, what that looks like is I become aware of the anger, and I have to really work at, like, um, pulling it, pulling it apart, piecing it out, and see, you know, where the root is coming from. But most importantly, I need to process that feeling of anger without... You know, there's such a a gray area there. Like, I understand totally about wanting to just live in that anger because it's so comfortable. But I know now, and I've experienced this, part of our promises will come to know serenity. That, That serenity far outweighs any chemical release I'm going to get from my anger. Because it is, a, it can be addictive as well. And so taking the time to process it, 
but coming through on the other side where there's peace and serenity again, that's where I want to be. And I will say this, that when I'm angry or I'm frustrated or I'm hurt, it may take a while, and I may not even want to go to God with it. I'm not ready. So it's important to me as a person to go ahead and process it, which means really look at it, write about it, think about it, talk about it, get on a meeting, read, whatever I need to do to process this, to find my answer that I'm looking for, but then to ultimately ask God to take it. That's my powerlessness. That's my surrender. That's my letting go. And then the prayer comes. So it's like stages just like grieving or anything. But that's kind of where I'm at with it today. But my last step is letting it go. And once I surrender it and I'm powerless and I let it go, that means I have to let it go. I cannot I cannot hang on to even one little thread. I've got to let it go. So it's part of my process. Thanks. Harvey, I just like that in Wyoming. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, did I interrupt? I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Okay, thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, your presentation and also uh, for uh, introducing it with the uh, trauma-based um, sexualization um, that happened to me. Um, and I guess my my concern or question has to do with. Um, Trauma-based sexualization creates PTSD symptoms, and these symptoms um, are not necessarily caused or triggered by, an, by a current event or an emotion or a reaction to um, something in the present or even in the past. Um, and you mentioned this, uh, and I've heard this mentioned by other, particularly women who are on, the, on these calls and and I know there's a lot of men who've been uh, sexually abused as well, but I've heard this term you used, and I'm not sure how it relates to um, the um, PTSD or, or other symptoms, but you, you use this term crystallize, and I've heard other people mention this. I'm not sure I understand what you mean by that in relation to the trauma or the traumatic event uh, or events that occurred, and then how these types of things um, enter into recovery because obviously they're a wound in the soul and that has to be um, obviously um, the 12 steps are great and all that I don't have a problem with that but when you're talking about a wound in the soul um, it's, it's a little bit of a deeper type of trauma and I don't know how you address that or this term crystallize seems to indicate a kind of um, state of being but I'll let you explain thank you Hmm. That is a really great question, and I totally validate all of that you just said. Um, you're right. For me, uh, PTSD is present. Um, there are things that do trigger it. Um, what I have to do in recovery now is, A, realize that I I do have PTSD, and when I am in a situation where it comes up, I mean, that's the thing. It is in my subconscious, and it is a very deep wound. And so I realize that, you know, because it's such a deep wound and such a deep hurt, you know, it will always be there. It's, it's like an addict. It's, it's something that is part of me. 
But when I can recognize it for what it is and not let it overrun everything else, then then I then I it's just kind of more like awareness and this this grace comes about it and moreover that I can maybe help another person by saying, Hey, you know what, I've been there too. I have this wound. I don't have to live in this wound, but I understand that you you know, you've been hurt deeply. And when I was talking about crystallizing what I make up about that is kind of like the fight, flight, or freeze syndrome that we go through when there is PTSD or there's a traumatic event. I froze. I froze. There, there was absolutely nothing I could do. And I stayed in that frozen state so numb and continued to numb myself out because I had no way of unthawing. I didn't know how to unthaw. And so even though those events happened to me now in recovery, they're always going to be there, but I just need to be aware of them. And when I feel that anxiety come on or if I'm triggered by something, for me, it's just all about the awareness. Okay, Yes, Angie, this happened to you. This does not mean that you're going to be um, going through this again. You know what to do now to take care of yourself. And so that just really goes back to the boundaries. I hope that helps with that explanation. That's kind of where I'm at with that right now. Harvey, I just wanted to appreciate it. Thank you. Harvey, I just wanted to add, um, I think what we're describing here, I think everybody seems to be saying, but they really haven't said it the way I feel it. Um, when I have anger, uh, especially anger, uh, I have two choices. I, I can, as uh, Angie clearly says, I need to journal and, and, and feel it and understand it, process it, see why I'm angry, uh, who has crossed my boundaries, who has put me into an uncomfortable or unsafe place, and I, I can do that. And from that anger, I will, in a good way, hopefully, get to sadness because I'll feel sad that that's happened uh, and eventually accepted. Uh, if I've done a good job and I've worked my program, I'm really working all the time to move from anger or any of those uh, negative emotions to acceptance and eventually to the joy that that, because acceptance is really on the joy um, line as far on the joy, on the joy side of my life. Uh, it's not very high, but it's, it's definitely on that side. Uh, if, on the other hand, I take that anger and I stew in it, what it's really done is it's become a resentment. Uh, and resentment, as we know in the big book, is very clear that, that we can't live with resentment. Resentment uh, are, are, are the killer uh, for us. Uh, we, we take our resentments uh, and we stew in them. And we cannot move through the positive pathway towards acceptance as long as we're feeling that resentment. Um, so that that's, if I'm, if I see that I'm, hanging on to anger and I'm not ready to sit with God, uh, which is something I do with some of these questions already. Uh, it's really important to me to sit with God and say, God, I'm in anger. Help me. Help me to, 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 to process that anger, to appreciate uh, the honesty, the truth of what's going on here. Take the important steps that I might need to take in order to protect myself uh, and get to sadness and eventually to acceptance. 
Uh, and I need God to help me to do that. That's what my program has taught me over the uh, time that I've been in this emotional sobriety, as uh, as uh, as we've been talking about. And and I think that's really the key here. Okay. Thanks, Harvey. You know, something I was just thinking about as you were talking about too is, you know, thanking God for all my feelings, whether they're positive or negative. And, and I try and really now look at my feelings as not positive or negative, that each feeling has its own purpose. And what I'm learning, and this is a huge blessing for me, that all of my adversities, all of my struggles, all of my pain that I still continue to deal with, those are all opportunities for me to grow. And Right. I'm not going to be thankful for that right at the moment when I'm presented with something that I really don't want to deal with, the life-on-life terms. It's like, really, can I not just have a break here? (laughs) But when I'm working my program and in tune with myself and in tune with God, I really am able to look at this as an opportunity, an opportunity of grace and awareness because it's like, oh, I know how to do this. I don't have to go back to resorting to my drug. I can deal with this, and this is a good thing. So really excited about that. I'll pass. This is Glenn in St. Louis. Can I share? Hey, Glenn. Hey, hey. Uh, thanks for talking. I uh, you, I think you hit exactly where I'm at right now. I um, just a couple of days ago realized that uh, that when I'm feeling anger or resentment, I automatically reach for my drug. My drug is like staring at the sexual parts of people. And um, I, I guess I just didn't make the connection of when I'm afraid uh, that that's what I do. And uh, what I'm starting to do now is bring God into that situation by saying to myself, God is with me. I can meet the crisis I now face. That is really helping me to uh, to bring him in and realize that he is bigger than this fear or this anger that I'm facing and that I don't have to medicate myself with this scary. And um, it's helping me And um, just for today. And I'll pass with that. Thanks. Thanks, Glenn. Yeah, I agree with you. He's bigger than anything I'm going to face on a daily basis. Well, we have just a couple more minutes. I just um, I feel very blessed to have this opportunity. And um, gosh, I think back to such a short time ago, just March of 2015 for me is when my life just really hit bottom, not only with my addiction, but with this underlying addiction of emotional sobriety and understanding how... My emotions just overtook me 
and just led me in places that I just really didn't want to be but didn't know how to deal with life. I'm so thankful that this program provides a, a roadmap and clear direction on what I need to do to stay sober in all areas and, um, you know, just to have an opportunity to have a life now. Being alive and feeling is is a wonderful thing. It's uh, it's new and it's fresh and it's exciting. And I just you know I thank God I I really don't know why I'm such a lucky one to have this opportunity to go on and and actually have a life now instead of being a prisoner or a slave to addiction. So thanks for the opportunity and and uh, God bless. Hi, this is Dennis in Alaska. Angie, just thank you. I just want to take a moment and, and thank God for this opportunity, uh, for the blessing that you've been today, the blessing that all of the um, shares and questions has been for us. And it has been uh, a real blessing for me, and I'm just thankful we recorded this so I get to go back and listen to it again. So thank you for your service, Angie. Thank you, Angie. This is fun. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.